Pharmacy Podcast Nation and especially our community pharmacy owners. Do you ever feel like you're getting pushed to do more with less? There's a product out there I'd like you to take a look at. Doing more for your pharmacy and more for your patients is important. I'm talking about the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack. For the same copay for your patients as pen needles alone, the UltiGuard Safe Pack provides 100 premium pen needles and a sharps container all in one. When pharmacies dispense the pen needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, they see consistently higher revenue and higher margins. Check this product out today and let us know what you think. Go to www.altiguardsafepack forward slash podcast. That's altiguardsafepack forward slash podcast. You can get a free sample pack on the website. Thanks for all you do as frontline healthcare providers. And thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. to the pharmacy podcast network you know one of the challenges of evolving any business or any profession for that matter and obviously we are talking to pharmacists right now but if you're a nurse if you're a physician if you're a lawyer and you happen to be listening to this podcast i want you to pay attention to this concept today And that is, we cannot throw away, disregard, or push aside the intelligence and the wisdom of those pioneers that have come before us within our industry. Regardless of the technology advancements, artificial intelligence, some of the amazing things that are happening to the pharmacy industry, there are people out there that we can learn so much from. And by taking what they know, taking the strategies, taking their stories, and combining it with the future, that is what makes the difference in moving forward in building your own legacy in your own career. My name is Todd Yuri. I'm the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I am pharmacist's number one fan. And today we're going to be introducing you, reintroducing you to Mr. Bruce Nealon, a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. He is the host of Pharmacy Crossroads. This is a special interview. Definitely tune in. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Nealon. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community health care. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. Hey, Bruce Nealon, how are you today? Outstanding, Todd, and it's good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice, too. You know, I met you years ago. I was at Softwriters, uh, which is a pharmacy management system focused on institutional pharmacy. This would have been between 2004 and 2008. And I met you at a conference, and I was very 
nostalgic because you were kind of surrounded by a bunch of people (laughs) you're in, but I started following up knowing this name, Bruce Neal. And I started really paying attention to your writings in computer talk and drug topics and pharmacy times. And you were just kind of everywhere. And I was a brand new blogger at the time. And I started a blog about pharmacy technology. And I remember cutting and pasting certain pieces of your topics and work, embedding it into my own uh, blog, and then referencing it as, as a topic that I wanted to expand. But I used your, your setting to, to basically give credibility to what I was writing. And I, th- I think that in the opening today, it's very true that if we're going to evolve, and I love the name of your podcast, Crossroads, Pharmacy Crossroads, because that's exactly what's happening to pharmacy, as you said, and when you kind of helped to design this. But if we don't learn from you specifically, someone who has been a storyteller for years in pharmacy, if we don't learn, then I don't think we're going to be able to accomplish what we must accomplish in evolving the industry of pharmacy. Well, uh, that's high praise indeed, and and thank you so much for that. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, at that stage in my career where I can do an awful lot of reflection, and and it's fun for me to be able to draw on things that I have learned over, you know, thirty plus years in this business, um, and um, and try to draw out the nuggets of things that I think will be helpful. Uh, you know, you're uh, no matter how much things change we need to remember that the profession of pharmacy is a healthcare profession and that re- involves clearly being able to bring some uh, intelligence some information some clinical skill and combine that with some personal relationship ability to make a connection and you know and i don't care how far back you go in pharmacy uh it's that trust that a patient has in your clinical skill uh that is the critical ingredient that needs to be there no matter how much technology uh comes into the equation so i love the way you set that up and you know uh, uh, being a 73 year old man who's been around the block a few times i've seen two or three evolutions in the in the in the pharmacy practice but that core still stays there clinical competence with uh, relationship building so it's fun to try to remember and dig into some of those things and share them so thank you for that i think you've done some very interesting things lately that have really brought you full circle and one of those things if the listeners don't realize uh, bruce invested a tremendous amount of time by going on the road and physically showing up at several independent community pharmacies throughout the country and exploring why community pharmacy is so successful in bringing healthcare services to their communities and what that means to their communities, what's that, what that means to outcomes, what that means to patients. And, and I like the personalization of it that you and I are not clinicians. We are not pharmacists. We're almost the fan of pharmacists, the advocacy for the pharmacist. Right. But you know that you and I recognize things that pharmacists don't recognize because they're in it. They're kind of in the trenches and they have to be. They have to save lives, make sure that they're, you know, 
overseeing the interaction and interactions of medications and allergies and things that are important to keep these patients alive, as well as projecting what may come based on what they know about medications over longer ter term periods of time, efficacy, adherence, all of that stuff. But you and I are sitting here telling the stories, and I really want you to kind of start and provide an overview of your career, who you are, and really what brought you to this point on your crossroads of, of pharmacy. And, and, you know, I am at a crossroads and for the third major time in my career. So very, very simply, uh, as we've expressed, I am not a pharmacist. Uh, I got into the pharmacy business uh, through the back door. Uh, actually, when I graduated from college, I took a job as a pharmaceutical detail man. I uh, carried a bag for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. Uh, I hated that job. And part of the reason I hated it was because I had five or six medications that I had that I needed to try to convince a physician to prescribe whether or not they were the best uh, medication for that individual or not. And, and um, after I left that business, I, I moved over to the medicine shop uh, oper franchise operation and helped pharmacists succeed. And what I loved about that was the pharmacist didn't need to care what uh, medication was prescribed. He could help the physician pick the best one for the per, for the patient and then he had a you know an inventory of 3 or 4000 drugs behind him that he could use and there was just something about that psychological shift that that resonated with me and made me feel proud of what I was doing and so with that as a platform uh, you know I became a business operations support guy for pharmacy uh, I moved from medicine shop to health mart uh, then I had an opportunity to move from uh, actually being in the drug wholesale business to going back to Washington, D.C., which was my big career break, and working for what was then called the National Wholesale Druggist Association. I worked there for six years. I became acquainted with all of the pharmacy organizations. I became familiar with all the pharmacy publications. Uh, then I was hired to go to work for the Amerisor. Uh, drug wholesale company and run at the time what was called their family pharmacy program. When Amerisource and Bergen merged, that program would be known by pharmacists today as um, the Good Neighbor Pharmacy Program. So I like to tell people I've, I've done the triumphant. I've worked for all three of the franchise organizations, and, uh, and that's been a good platform for me. My big next big break, and it's one of those things that I think is illustrative for pharmacy owners is my career as a corporate person ended in 2002 with the merger. And so I had to reinvent myself drawing upon my critical skills. And that's when I became a consultant and started uh, uh, helping companies sell to pharmacies. But the real trick was getting to know pharmacies better, which led to these road trips. So I've done 10 of these organized road trips uh, since 2008, visited 112 pharmacies by appointment and, um, and tried to extract from them, not selling a thing. I didn't have a thing to sell. Uh, what are you doing that makes you successful? And um, I've come up with about four or five different little nuggets that we'll share as we go through the interview today. 
Absolutely. And that's exciting because you and I have talked about the strategy of taking those trips and those meetings and the laughs that you've shared and the stories that you've shared. And, and really, that's a learning experience. And now Pharmacy Crossroads gets to take that um, experience and those times together and now turn this into audio conversations based on some of those trips so that we can... Um, so we can preserve that there's, you know, you may be listening to this podcast months, maybe a year or two after it's been published, but there's still information embedded in this conversation. That's going to help a pharmacy owner, a brand new pharmacy owner, someone that's trying to uh, break into a very competitive marketplace. And like I said, at the very beginning, if, if you're not leveraging techniques, strategies, personalization, marketing um you know business scalability if you're not market if you're not leveraging all of those things um and it doesn't have to always be about pharmacy you can move outside of pharmacy and um, i'm reading a book now by brendan kane that's called one million followers and it's really about leveraging the next generation of social media and how social media is changing um and how as attention deficit disorder uh, you know, cripples our society of being more intimate with each other. Um, this book is kind of uh, is kind of giving relevance to going back to the old times when it was a, a phone call or a written letter or or an in person meeting that that meant the progression of business. Well, and and you know, along those lines, I like to think in terms of business, there are principles, there are policies, and there are practices. The principles are those ground uh, ground floor things upon which you build uh, from the principles, from the, the the morality, the ethics, the vision you're bringing to your business. You know, you establish your policies, and typically policies will be around for two or three years, but then you have to modify them. But then your practices is what you're doing day to day. How are you reacting? And and this COVID issue that's hit the business uh, in you know the early this year is forcing us to change all kinds of practices. Uh, probably changing a few policies, but it's not changing any principles. The notion that this is a people business that we have to help people get better, you know, that's still embedded in the uh, embedded in the profession. So, you know, I've come up with from these road trips, you know, you sit back after them, you, you, you see all the fun things that these people are doing, but I've come up with, with four principles that I think apply to pharmacy. Uh, and we're talking retail pharmacy and it, uh, a change pharmacist wouldn't necessarily have the ability to change some of the some of the principles but they can certainly affect the policies and absolutely imp implement the practices so there's four things I'd like to talk about as we as we go through here the first one is I think a pharmacy figure needs to fill prescriptions I'm absolutely one who thinks that the foundation is filling prescriptions but you need to find something else you do other than fill prescriptions that resonates with patients and your community and you need to do that exceptionally well. So the first thing is do something else exceptionally well. 
The next one is to recognize that this is an experience business, not a transactional business. And we've chatted a little bit about relationships, but you, the, you need to figure out how to set the stage for how that's going to happen. And that manifests itself in the looks and the feel and the cleanliness of your, uh, of your pharmacy and way too many pharmacists let their pharmacists become dog-eared and worn out and that's a a, a, a business killer. Um, the third thing, and I, I run across this all the time when you challenge a pharmacy to try something new, he'll say, well, you know, my people won't like that or most people won't like that. And I absolutely agree. Some of the things we're asking pharmacists to do, most people won't care about but a few will. And I, I, I challenge pharmacists to stop thinking about how all of their patients want to do ABC or XYZ and start thinking about how two, three, or four or 5% of their patients will accept this or participate in this. And that opens the door for you moving into a lot of new avenues that at first blush don't seem like they'll be practical because most people won't pay for them and some people woo will so an analogy i'll use is i've never paid to have a massage um but the massage business is a big business mm -hmm. and 75 80 percent of the people have never had a massage but it's a big business so in your pharmacy when we start talking about nutraceuticals or weight loss programs or whatever um uh, you know, most people aren't going to pay $50 for a CoQ enzyme, uh, but some people will. Um, so they need to be thinking about that. And the last one in, in the business community is full of this notion now is you have to have a can-do attitude. Uh, they translate that into the word grit. Uh, can you figure out how to get through stuff? Will you stick to it? Will you try the 37th thing until you become successful? So those are the four principles that I think the, the future of pharmacy, uh, any pharmacy who, pharmacist who wants to succeed would do well to remember those. And we can talk about some specific examples as we continue this conversation. Yeah. And I think that the leadership of that entity is so important. And before we started recording, uh, Bruce, I made a comment that, um, you know, I'll share with the listeners. And that is, you know, if I were to grow the pharmacy podcast network as a publication, I am not from a publication background. I'm, I'm from a business development and marketing background. And if I found a leader out there, if I found an organization to help me grow the publication as a publisher, as someone who really understands that, I'm not going to allow my ego to get in the way of scaling this publication. The pharmacy podcast is going somewhere that we're not today, and we're going to continue to move forward. So when I think of management and how much management and leadership matters, the pharmacy owner, if you have a pharmacy technician or you have a pharmacist that's passionate about patient engagement and you are more into running your business, then you need to empower those employees um, the, to, to, to grasp and to grow what they're passionate about doing. So I think the management and leadership in a pharmacy is critical today more so than ever because of the efficiencies that's needed in order to save as much money from an operation so you can be putting that back into the business 
or being able to finally pay yourself or something so that you can make sure that that business is surviving. So let's get into some management matters and, and what matters as leaders and management within the business of pharmacy, Bruce. And I'll, I'll just uh, jump off on that notion of if, if you've got a pharmacy technician who has skills, um, uh, the, the first trick of being a good manager is to learn how to train and delegate. And, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, most pharmacists are technically oriented, detail-oriented, and are, are not generally uh, imbued with a, a whole abundance of people skills. But that doesn't mean you can't hire them. And, you know, they're necessary in the business. So, you know, figuring out how to delegate and how to train your staff members and letting them go out and make mistakes and try things and learn from them and empowering them would, would certainly be a, would be a critical skill. Uh, to, to back up from that, and, and this is important, uh, absolutely important, a, a pharmacist, whether he's a pharmacy manager or just a farm, working pharmacist in a chain, and particularly if he owns one, needs to have a noble cause. And, and I, I love that phrase, noble cause. Um, you know, you're in this business for something beyond money. Um, money has to make it flow but the the idea that you're doing something bigger than that and then selling your staff on that the the analogy that i've used in an awful lot of my ce programs um yeah i'm a i'm a world war 2 movie fan and and i marvel what we're able to get people to do in war and and the point i want to make is if if you were uh, president roosevelt in 1940 and needed to raise an army you could have run an advertisement that said wanted men who are willing to charge machine gun nests, sleep in foxholes and eat crummy food. And we're going to pay you 150 bucks a month. And uh, do you think he would have had many people sign up? But no, he sold the noble cause. We're making the world safe for democracy. And as a pharmacy owner, when you're thinking about hiring staff members, um, think about how you can find people who are going to buy into the notion that you're helping people get the proper use of their medications, maximizing their health and longevity and, and feeling better and moving forward in life. And uh, yeah, I'll pay you 10 bucks an hour to do that. And you'll find that people will join you if you have a noble cause and sell your staff on that. Um, the, the, the other thing, and, and this came up, you mentioned Mona Gaddis uh, a little earlier. We just interviewed her last week. At, at the close of our interview, I says, okay, we've asked you a bunch of questions. You've given us some ideas. What would be your final word of advice to your peers? And, and she paused for a moment and she said, you know, you just need to be flexible and you need to try new things. And um, that's where I think the practice of pharmacy is right now. We need people to be flexible. We need for them to try new things. Um, so those are management principles that I would encourage pharmacists to digest uh, and think about. Have a noble cause, sell your staff, delegate, and be flexible and try new things. Does that make sense, Todd? It does make sense, and it's it's not even a it's not even a new uh, strategy. It's it's uh, it's drawing from what has been proven. Now take that model and take that structure, 
and pour your creativity and your innovation into it. And it takes you to another level. But just like when I started out this podcast today, for all the pharmacy owners listening, don't uh, push away some of the old structure of building a business. There's some principles that are tried and true. Uh, um, you know, I, I still uh, read a lot of, um, you know, some of the economics that come out of our, our world today. But Milton Friedman, who's one of the leading economists who has been, you know, passed away for years now, he still referenced because of his, his understanding of, of macro and microeconomics and what that means in scaling an economy and how capitalism is still the number one, you know, best model of, of an economy, regardless of the politics that corrupts, you know, some of the ideals. And so I, I think that we need to ensure that pharmacy owners, operators are drawing from the principles that have been proven, but innovating within those principles. Yeah, so let me let me share with you just a couple of the people that I've met. So, um, you know, I've done a complete review of the the pharmacies that I visited um, on these formal road trips. It's 112. Um, they were all picked because they were exceptional. And I will say two things: um, some of them have gone out of business. Um, so, it, you know, none of this is a guarantee for success. But the biggest thing I would say is some of them are still there and doing very well, but they're doing well because they've adapted and they've changed. So one of the things I talked about earlier was do something else exceptionally well. And um, uh, one of the pharmacies that comes to mind for that is uh, Economy Drug in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when I visited him, I saw a couple things that absolutely blew me away. Uh, first of all, it was a lovely, brand new, freshly built pharmacy start from scratch. But one of the things that he did, and it was frankly the reason that I was there because it was before my road trips, uh, my daughter was living in Tulsa and she said, hey dad, there's this cute little pharmacy uh, that just opened up around town and he sells fudge. Hmm. Now, that was one of those things that's interesting. I've talked to Chris a dozen times since then. He's still selling fudge. They put the fudge in. I went over to look at the pharmacy. I'm standing there getting ready to buy some fudge. And another lady comes in and walks up to the fudge counter and says, my neighbor tells me you guys sell the world's best fudge. So people were coming to that pharmacy because he did something else exceptionally well. The tie-in was he's making really good fudge. So what's he do besides sell fudge? He puts fudge in little gift boxes and he goes out and he calls on all the referral sources for his pharmacy and he's got a nice little DME business. So the synergy between fudge gifts, visits, and DME uh, helped make him be successful. So that's an example of somebody doing something else exceptionally well. Um, the next one is ambience and uh, atmosphere and looks matter and all that kind of stuff. I visited a pharmacy. One of my favorite pharmacies I visited was Markham's Pharmacy in Tennessee. 
I had met um, Ray, the owner of that, when I was doing another project, actually looking for cutting-edge pharmacies and was delighted to have a chance to meet him. But when I walked into his pharmacy, uh, he had done a modest remodel, and what he had done was to figure out how to put uh, three lanes on his pickup counter so that each lane was divided with a, a divider so that he could have a personal conversation or his staff could have a personal conversation with three people picking their prescriptions up at the same time. Uh, the, the pharmacy was clean. It did not have a lot of OTC items, but it was organized so that it, it appeared to be efficient, uh, pictures on the wall, pleasant places to sit, uh, uh, people who were dressed in smocks. Uh, I mean, the, the place just looked special. And when you walked in, you knew you were going to get better care there than you were going to get if you had gone to a, a chain pharmacy. Simple things that can be done with the look and feel and the ambiance of your pharmacy. Um, we talked a little bit about how most people won't buy, but some will. And this is a driving force behind uh, giving a pharmacist the freedom to move into some of these niche services. So uh, Vic Allen owns two pharmacies in, in the Boise area of Idaho. And, um, and he's just done a bang up job with weight loss. Um, and he'll tell you, you know, when I'm sitting there visiting with him, he's got drive up windows, he's got a, a beautiful front end, he's got 20 people in the pharmacy. He tells me that success in the weight loss business is eight or nine people. Um, so it's not a mass market, it's a small business, but those eight or nine people are coming in on a weekly basis. Uh, they're interacting in a very detailed manner with a trained uh, a pharmacy technician who's been trained to do the weight loss stuff, and they're paying cash for that. And then as they lose their weight, they're telling their friends about it. So it's not a mass business. It's a small piece of his business, but it's something that he can grow on. So those are just some people who are doing some stuff that virtually anybody listening to this podcast and implemented to their pharmacy. And I hope they have, they find the, the grit, the oomph to step out and to try to do something different. I, I, one other thing that I have learned about these ancillary businesses is they require that you try to persuade somebody to do something that they didn't necessarily come into the pharmacy to do. And that process is typically called sales. Mm -hmm. And most pharmacists are not salespeople. And, and I would encourage you not to try to pretend to become one. Rather, look at this process as an educational and informational and invitational uh, opportunity. So your job is not to persuade anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. Your job is to let people know and understand this is what we offer. This is what we offer. And then let people choose for themselves and to recognize they're not going to decide the first time they hear about it to do it that time. They're going to listen. They're going to go home. They're going to wonder. They're going to come back. They're going to see other people doing it. And after the third or fourth visit, they're going to buy that bottle of, uh, of uh, you know, professional grade nutraceuticals. They're going to, you know, get involved in your diabetes education class. You don't need to try to sell people. You offer and inform and 
invite. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And as someone who has been in business development and sales since 1995, um, you cannot sell as a pharmacist. You need to educate as a pharmacist, and that can be interpreted to becoming a part of so-called quote-unquote selling. But I've talked to several pharmacists that, that have blogged about selling, and one particular pharmacist has a, has a pretty good following in some media and content development, and he wrote a scathing uh, post on LinkedIn about not selling and and based on inexperience uh, and being a pharmacist and not being a business development professional, I completely disagreed with you know the the four letter word S A L E to sell something or S E L L to sell something, and and that's not the case. If you believe in a product, if you believe in a therapy, if you believe in an exercise regimen and you are counseling your patient about it based on what's inside your heart, based on the knowledge inside your head, and the scientific evidence-based information that you bring to the table as a pharmacist, then most definitely encourage your patients to become involved in that, in using that product or using that system or using that exercise, exercise regimen. Regardless, you are in fact selling but you're doing it in a way which is completely uh, reputable, honest, transparent, and you're doing it with your heart. So I, I think that I think there's a there's a gap between selling and and consulting. But nonetheless, I think that I think that pharmacists need to feel empowered based on what they believe in. Uh, yeah, that 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 that's so true. And and again, it's the freedom to move forward without the without the idea of uh, viewing yourself as a salesman. I'd be you know, one of the first things I learned was uh, listening to audio tapes on sales was about the the world's best car salesman, and you know they have terrible reputation. But the the idea that he had every time he says he every time he met with a with a customer, he wanted to make it clear to them, hey, Mister Mrs. Jones, I'm not trying to sell you a car. I want to help you find the car that's going to be best for you. And, um, right. you know, we're, we're in the business of selling health, um, but we don't have to sell a thing. We just help people figure out what's best for them. And yeah, we've got products and tools and resources that, that we have to charge for. Um, you know, we're getting close to the end here. And I, and I want to say one thing, um, you know, I visit with a lot of successful pharmacists um, and they will tell you immediately that margins are killing them, that egregious audits are killing them, that DIR fees are killing them. Uh, none of these successful pharmacists are devoid of those problems. They have them. They try to manage them as best they can. Uh, I, I get very frustrated when I read the blog posts from pharmacy owners saying, hey, you know, we've got to form a union. We've got to start our own drug wholesale company. We've got to, you know, we've got to boycott the PBMs. Um, you know, these are people who are not thinking outside of the box. They're trying to put pharmacy back the way it was, and it's not going back. So right. the way forward is new, more, better, different. And fortunately, the pattern for that 
is well established. We can move forward in immunizations. We can move forward in training classes. We move forward in you know in all kinds of ways that are documented and out there, and and that's the way forward that these successful pharmacies are moving. They're managing to the details. They're looking at their numbers. They're you know, uh, resubmitting claims, you know, they're doing all that stuff that has to happen. Uh, you have to do that. Um, you don't need to like it. You need to do it, but then find something else that you can do that will bring you new customers, will bring you new uh, uh, avenues of money and move forward with that. But you can't give up on the old. Um, you got to do both. And um, that's just kind of the facts of life. Absolutely. Well, like I said, very excited that you're part of this network. I think there's a tremendous amount of uh, value and insight that you're going to bring to our listeners. If you haven't listened to uh, Pharmacy Crossroads in the show notes, you will see a link to pick up the other two episodes that, uh, that Bruce has put out. And Bruce, I'm excited about you being here. Well, thank you. And I would offer just as a, as a free, but wait, there's more. If anybody, if anybody cares to, I have um, about 27 articles compiled into one PDF that is a complete repository of all my articles on my road trips. If, if anybody wants to get in touch with me at B as in Bruce, F as in Frank, Neeland at gmail.com, I'd be happy to send that to you. We're going to have your email address in the show notes as well so that people can reach out to you, Bruce. But we, um, we, we treasure you as a, as, a, as a pundit, as an advocate, as a, someone that's uh, been here and that we can learn from. And I think uh, podcasting fits because now you're able to tell uh, so many valuable insights and stories uh, through, the, through the platform. Thank you. You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We were with Bruce Neeland of Pharmacy Crossroads. And as always, we thank you so much for being a pharmacist, the hub of healthcare, and we thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.